Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter. What for uh, new listeners, new viewers? This is a show where we uh, talk about what's in the news, and then we try and break it down. We, we we sniff it, we sniff out the bullshit. We try and find out. It's our favorite part. What are they not telling us? Right. <laughs> or how are they spinning what they are telling us? Yes. Uh, my name is Cameron Riley. With me, as always, is my fake Indian midget friend, uh, wow. Ray Tonto Harris. What a title I got there. How are you, anyway, Ray? Hello, everyone. I am I am fucking great, doing great. Got my mug. Everybody talk, you know, email me and I'll get you on. I'll hook you up. But anyway, doing great here. The weather finally decided to join spring along with the rest of us. So all good here. Very good. Uh, COVID's going well over there. Uh, 60,000 um, cases a day. I, see. I mean, compared to India, right. you're doing a great oh, job. Yeah. I mean, uh, America India is the yeah. new America. So, um Three hundred thousand new cases a day in India. Wow. wow. We, yeah, we were we were we were the big boys at one point, but now that if we have less than a thousand die a day, and we've been doing pretty consistent with that for a good three weeks now, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Um, we suck at it, so don't don't come to America anytime soon. Sorry. I'm not. I'm not planning on it. Uh, we'd love to come visit you, yeah. but uh, yeah. don't want to die. Uh, so I'm going to stay here. Selfish. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so the uh, big story uh, since we last uh, recorded, Ray, is yeah. um, the US is pulling out, wiping its dick on Afgan- Afghanistan's curtains and bad. saying, uh, see you later. Thanks. It's been right. fun. But well, uh, I've got other years. got other places to invade. Got to go. Yeah. I'm not a one checklist. Not a one man woman. A one woman man that way. I got other. Well, I got other bitches to impregnate with my American bukkake. Can't keep the bitches waiting. So yeah, we we got we got things to do. We got places to go. Yeah. So it's only been 20 years, and we won the war there several times over. Even did a big banner with Bush. Uh, on an aircraft carrier or whatever. So, yeah, it's time to declare victory mm, and move mm, on. Mm. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that um, were n- uh, neglected, I think, in the media coverage of this. Right. Uh, and uh, the the government's uh, rhetoric. Uh, by the way, that the same day or the next day that after Biden announced uh, America was pulling out, uh, Scott Morrison, aka Scomo, aka Scotty from Marketing, aka Australia's fundamentalist happy clapper Christian Prime Minister, right. uh, also said that he's going to pull his dick out of Afghanistan's right. butthole. Yes. Um, but here's the thing: so the media coverage here and there right. did talk a lot about uh, U.S. military lives lost and Australian military lives lost, 2,300. Here's an article on CNN, supposedly the leftist media. It says, uh, those two decades have seen more than 2,300 U.S. military lives lost, tens of thousands of U.S. wounded, countless Afghan casualties, and more than $2 trillion in taxpayer money spent. Um, right. 
uh, the Australian uh, Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC, says that more than 39,000 Australians were deployed and 41 of them killed during the decades-long conflict. Right. Uh, the thing that they're both neglecting to do is talk mm-hmm. about the actual number of Afghanis or Afghans. I'm not sure. Afghanis? Afghans? Afghans? Afghanis? Afghans. Afghans? Afghanis? Is that the I don't know. Blanket. Killed. I, the, the people from mm. currently in. CNN, CNN uh, talks about 2,300, more than 2,300 US military lives lost. But then when they're talking about Afghan casualties, just oh, countless. Just because right. you know, if they put a number in there, right. by the way, the uh, semi official number is over 111,000 yes. Afghans killed. Right. Uh, I'm assuming those 111,000 people were not, most of them were not wearing uniforms of some type with a gun in their hand, I'm well, guessing. Well, um, yes and no, because, uh, okay. I mean, the nature of a conflict like this in a place like that, a lot of right. people aren't wearing uniforms. This is right. uh, guerrilla uh, war. This is the Rebel Alliance fighting uh, the Empire. Right. You know, fighting Darth Vader, the stormtroopers. <laughs> Stormtroopers have uniforms. They have armor. Although, just having watched all the Star Wars films with Fox and uh, Rogue One, we just watched as well, I have to ask, what is the point of Stormtrooper armor? It doesn't defend them from anything. They get, you know, they get hit with a laser, boom, dead. Lightsaber, boom, dead. Bomb, boom, dead. What is the point of Stormtrooper armor? Apart from... Yeah. Making them really bad shots. I mean, maybe uh, the reason stormtroopers can't hit anything can't see anything. Can't see. Can't see. <laughs> can't see. <laughs> and the, the armor's still. too clumsy. Like, if they got rid of the armor, yeah. Yeah. maybe yeah. they'd actually be able to. There's like right. one rebel person, forty stormtroopers. Boom, 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 boom. Miss. Fucking knock them all out. Useless. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The worst. Anyway, well, I, you got to wonder I at think- some point. Right. Did Palpatine so what, and Darth Vader right. go? Would sit there and go, hmm. With the, really? I, I, can, can we can we not come up with? Oh, look, I know the battle droids were useless, funny right. but useless. But the maths, right? Yeah. We just had Roger, a whole bunch Roger. of them. But the stormtroopers right. really was that an improvement? Yeah. Where the Empire yeah. can't the Empire do come up with something better than this? Like where the fucking Empire? We have. Unlimited money and power at our disposal. Right. We've got uh, two Dark Lords of the do. Sith running things. We right. can't come up with something better than stormtroopers. They're just not. They're not really holding up their end of the bargain. What are we paying these people? Well, anyway. first of all, I want everybody to know that we are not anti-clonists. We're not saying that they're bad shots because hey, hey, of hey, clones. Stormtroopers uh, aren't clones. Right. Oh no! This is before. Yeah, sorry. Going back. Okay, let me try another. Let me try another. Track. The clones were the clones, think, right? The clones were the clones, and the other people were not the clones. There was they a, there clones. was a black stormtrooper. I'm uncomfortable where this conversation. <laughs> oh, maybe that was gone. in the by the time of the first order. I think they'd uh, right. they'd switched out the yeah. cloning program. I guess by then, yeah. Yeah, they would just grab people. Anyway, any middle school coach will tell you uniforms are important. 
you feel like a team, you act as a team, you, you take care of each other. doesn't matter that you're a, a shitty shot and most of you are going to die from a 13-year-old with a gun who, who, you know, whatever. But um, Okay, we're getting off the track here. Back to Afghanistan. Anyway, go ahead, Afghanistan. <laughs> so a whole bunch of people there died because we've been there for 20 years with the Australians, with other countries. A whole bunch of people died. We're pulling out. Now, I assume the Australian, the average Joe, like the average American, I don't know what the average Australian name is. You're just so freaking happy that you're not grilling this article too much. You're just happy. Thank God we're getting our people out. Thank Jehovah we're getting our people out. We've been there too long. We're wasting money, yada, yada, yada. And you're not thinking anything past that point. You're just happy. You're just happy. Mm, yeah, well, I'm not so happy. But the other thing, so the first, the first, the yeah. first thing the media didn't really mention, uh, t- went, went, took pains not to mention. Uh, it, it appears was the number of Afghans killed during our little military adventure over there. Let that out, did they? And let's yeah. just remind everyone, in case you've forgotten, right. Afghanistan had nothing to do with nine eleven. Um, yes, there may have been some uh, training camps over there, but they right. were destroyed. Uh, it was the Saudis that were behind right. 9-11, it seems, based Our on part. all of the evidence, allegedly, yes. based on all of the evidence that has come forward in the last 20 years. majority yeah. of the hijackers were Saudis. They were financed by Saudis. Bin Laden was a Saudi, but there are other members of the Saudi uh, elite that seem to have funded, participated, uh, the 9-11 Commission came to the similar conclusion. So the whole thing was bullshit. In the first place, let alone, not to mention the Iraqi invasion, which, of course, had nothing at all. Saddam had nothing at all to do with it. Uh, by the way, there's a great podcast series uh, on slow burn. Uh, I think Slate puts out slow burn at the moment on Shalabi, the um, wealthy uh, uh, Iraqi elitist who was in exile, who was the main guy behind the Iraq war, right. the guy that right. the New York Times intel. used yeah. as their uh, secret intel, right. uh, saying that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction and he was ready to use them, et cetera, et cetera. That Bush and Cheney and and and, and Rumsfeld uh, knew it was Shalabi providing that, but they didn't say that because Shalabi had previously been uh, issued a, a, a CIA burn notice because his his intel previously in other attempted uh, takeovers of Iraq had been so bad and led to so right. much uh, so many bad outcomes that the CIA had issued internally a burn notice against him, which was no one talked to him, no one touch him. This guy right. is bad news, but that was all conveniently ignored uh, in the lead up to the invasion of Iraq. Uh, because his, you know, long story short, his family were very, very powerful. Uh, his dad was the richest man in Iraq uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and a minister under the monarchy. And after the revolutions where they overthrew the monarchy in the, the 60s, his family lost everything. Right. And uh, he was determined to, you know, get it all back, get back uh, his family's power, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so, but the other thing that the media is not talking about when it comes to this pullout is that, according to the Grey Zone, Jeremy Kuzmarov, over mm-hmm. 18,000 Pentagon contractors remain in Afghanistan while official troops number 2,500. Joe Biden will withdraw this smaller group of soldiers right. while leaving behind US Special Forces, mercenaries, and intelligence operatives. 
privatizing the war but not ending it. Wow. Yeah. So the longest war in American history is not coming to an end in a theater near you. No. Just check. Yeah. Just check. Yeah. We're going to turn it over to the people who don't have to follow all the rules supposedly that the soldiers follow. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to work out fine. Yeah. Uh, again, according to the Grey Zone, most of the mercenaries are ex-military veterans, though a percentage of third-country nationals who are paid meager wages to perform menial duties for the military. One of the biggest mercenary companies is Dine Corp International or Falls Church, Virginia. Woo, you're welcome. One of the sponsors of this show, uh, which <laughs> as of 2019 had received over $7 billion in government contracts to train the Afghan army and manage military bases in Afghanistan. From 2002 to 2013, DynCorp received 69% of all State Department funding. Damn. Should have bought stock. Forbes magazine called it one of the big winners of the Iraq and Afghan wars, the losers being almost everyone else. Uh, so yeah. let's let's look into DynCorp International, Ray. Who who are DynCorp uh, International? Uh, hopefully, they've taken my photo down. I'm no longer on the board. No, I I, I don't know anything about them. Um, there's there's a lot of companies like this in Northern Virginia, that close to Washington. So Northern Virginia is replete with uh, million and billion dollar companies uh, who basically survive off uh, government contracts. But I'm afraid I don't know anything about them. Obviously, they've got a good in with the State Department to be able to get that much money over that long of a period. Well, this company, uh, in one way, shape, or form, has been around since 1946, uh, the end of uh, just after the end of World War II and the beginning right. of uh, the Cold War and the you know the the beginning of post-war military Keynesianism. Mm-hmm. There was two companies back then: California Eastern Airways, which was an air freight business, and Land Air Inc., which was an aircraft maintenance company. Uh, founded by groups of uh, returning World War II pilots who wanted to to break into the air cargo business. Um, And then they ended up doing deals with the armed forces that turned into Dynelectron. (laughs) It's a great fucking, you know, sort of cyberpunk name. Dynelectron in the 60s. Right. Um, then it changed its name to the Dyn Electron Corporation in uh, 1976, and uh, yeah, they they ended up becoming a massive uh, recipient of Pentagon funding, yeah. and been around ever since then. Been involved in all of the good wars, gotten <laughs> the best, yeah. Um, been involved uh. in Haiti, been involved uh, supporting. Afghan President Hamid Karzai since the early 2000s. Um, yeah. So uh, been around a long time and uh, deeply, deeply involved in uh, spreading American bukkake around the world and, and, and you know, particularly now they have a big interest in... Um, in uh, Afghanistan, the CEO is a guy by the name of George Crevo, 
Uh, revenue uh, in the billions of dollars, 14,000 employees. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're, they're a player. They're a player. I'm going to go buy some stock this tomorrow. Isn't, it's not the military, intelli- uh, military company that your sister-in-law runs, though. No. No. Oh, you. I think you'll find this is interesting. Just real quick, we were there a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about taking a trip whenever Americans are allowed to travel. And we were saying, "Oh, let's go to let's. I want to go to Asia. I've always wanted to go to Asia." Uh, she goes, "Yeah, I'm not allowed to go to China. Uh, it's just not. It's not a good look because China is the quote unquote." Uh, unofficial enemy about to be official enemy in some capacity of the United States. So she would get, she can go to Moscow. She can, um, but she can't go anywhere in China, Hong Kong, anything like that. So that just shows you how, I guess, how what the current attitude about China is, even for these companies that work for the government or get contracts from the government, don't do yourself a disservice by even appearing, you know, whatever, don't even visit to China. I just thought that was really interesting. So whatever the attitude that America has or the threat that we perceive by China, it's, it's just going to cross a lot of boards and everybody who's involved in the government just is encouraged not to go there. But I just found that interesting. I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Yeah, gearing up for the big war with China again. Yes. Uh, but I don't think so, George Crivo is the CEO. I think he left a couple of months ago. He was the CEO. Uh, he's it was an ex-military guy. He's now mm. the CEO of Ari's Prime, uh, which is uh, aerospace and defense special purpose acquisition company. Um, anyway, so there's, money. there's yeah. bottom line is the media. What the media is not telling you is the number of Afghans who died during this, uh, um, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really, can't really call it a war or a occupation. Yeah, that's it, occupation. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that uh, yeah, the US is not really pulling out. They're pulling out well, the uh, I mean, official, you know, government. Paid troops, yeah. but not the troops the government pays for via third parties. It's been privatized, so we could say, "Yay, we're pulling out!" But uh, he, but finally. where where are the where is the leftist media, so called leftist media, pointing out the fact uh, that apart from people like the Grey Zone pointing out that uh, well, actually, you know, we're not really pulling out; we're just privatizing. Yeah. This is Biden's equivalent of putting up a banner that says mission accomplished. I mean, it's bullshit. We're still going to have 18,000 people there that represent America. Most of them will have guns. And when they get killed, you won't hear about it on the news because I'm sure this company will not share that information and the government doesn't want them to. So the whole thing is about to go covert. But you know they're still going to be cracking heads. They're going to still be pursuing so-called terrorists, i.e. freedom fighters, whatever the term you want to use. And so, yeah, there's still going to be a lot of killing and mayhem. So that those numbers that you were giving of death, they're going to still go up. Um, it's just going to happen truly under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, moving right along, mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, genocide, Ray. Oh, okay. I love you know, one of my topic. one of my favorite subjects, right? Um, Joe Biden, Jaburden, Jaburden, Jabuti, Jabuti came out. JB, uh, JB in the Sunshine Band, JB in the Famous Flames. He came out this week, uh, said that uh, the United States was officially recognizing the uh, genocide. 
of right. the uh, Palestinian people by Israel. Oh, no, wait. Sorry, no, that wasn't the genocide. It was the no. genocide that happened 100 years ago. Uh, yes, by, we weren't a part of. Of the Armenians right. yes. by an empire that no longer exists. Um, it's better that way. The, Wait 100 uh, years. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, no, look, if you're going to uh, take a stand on something. Absolutely. I think it's always important to take a stand on something that happened 100 years ago by a government that doesn't exist anymore because... That's- generations ago yeah anyway yeah something like good that call. Good call. well it's not i mean joe biden remembers it he he was around at the <laughs> he time was he was he was there <laughs> at the time uh it was middle-aged 40s at the right, time right. i think yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly so he gets credit for being the first u.s president to use the word genocide because the presidents that came before him didn't want to upset Turkey too much. They were our well, partner. Not the, the first person to use genocide in the context of the Armenians. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's what I meant in this con- in the, about this topic, about these killings. And so I guess, yay? I, but again, it was 106 years ago, whatever it was. It doesn't change anything. But it does upset Turkey. And I guess Biden is being viewed by some as ballsy for having the courage to say something that would upset the Turkish government. Yeah. Now, of course, a couple of things to to note about this is one, uh, U.S. relations with Turkey aren't great anyway. Yeah. So, so we've got to lose. Yeah. Um, the, there's, you know, we, we've talked to recently about uh, the the issues that they have with Turkey and um, who was who's the what's the name of that guy who's the uh, cleric. Uh, that's oh. hiding out um, over there. The Gulen, Fatula Gulen. Yes. Uh, all of that kind of stuff. The US uh, is obviously involved in uh, using the Gulen to create trouble in Turkey. The Turks know it. Uh, they've, you know, there was an attempted coup, according to Turkey. A few years ago by the Gulen movement and others, uh, the, the Turkish government uh, claiming that the CIA is involved in that. Um, so relationships between the two aren't great, so he's not really losing anything here. Right. But, of course, the other thing is that uh, the genocide of the Yemenis uh, by uh, Saudi Arabia, which is ongoing, which has been sponsored and supported by the United States government, with it's happening with weapons bought from the United States by Saudi Arabia, and the right. genocide of the, the Palestinians, the, the slow but definite genocide of the Palestinian people, by uh, Israel since... Well, let's say since 1967, but really goes back earlier than that when they were pushing him out of the country. Exactly. Uh, no mention of that. So it's too soon. And Give it, us 106 years. We'll bring it up. <laughs> well, uh, yes and no, because like there's this. If you're, I, I don't give you any credit for acknowledging a genocide that right. uh, your country had nothing to do with. But I uh, would really like that credit. Whilst ignoring ongoing right. genocides that your country is personally supporting in a variety of ways. And in case of Israel, not only right. is the US supporting Israel 
uh, with with money and weapons. They also mm-hmm. obviously give them air cover in the Security Council, make sure there's... Yes, vetoing. Yeah, there's yeah. no no action the Security Council can take, even though, just to remind people, uh, right. the United Nations, the, the General Assembly, has passed like 160 resolutions against Israel since oh. 1967, telling them that they have to withdraw back to the Green Line and Israel just gives the United Nations the middle finger, and they can get away with that because the US vetoes any action the United Nations tries to take via the Security Council. So, um, again, uh, but here's the thing about this. Uh, Okay, so fair enough. I'm I'm not surprised by the fact that Biden's not doing anything about that and, in fact, has come out strongly in support of Israel since his election. Um, But the fact that the media... And again, the so-called leftist media over there isn't pointing out the hypocrisy of this. Right. When it's your guy in the White House, you, 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 you know, you ignore some things. And when it's the other guy in the White House, you find everything you possibly can. That's just the way it is. But, but you're right. So it's just another example of not being able to trust them because they're not doing their job of, of being completely honest with what Biden is or is not doing about many different subjects. He's our guy. We're going to, we're going to ease up because that's the way the game is played. By the way, uh, he's not the first person to use the word genocide in relation to Armenia. Ronald Reagan used the words Armenian genocide back in 1981 during a Holocaust Remembrance Day event, but he didn't make it official U.S. policy. Ah, God. Was that a cocktail party or... (laughs) Well, religious uh, school, or, you know, I'm, I just yeah. What what they leave out is he actually said, "I'm a big fan of Armenian genocide. Love it. Fantastic." <laughs> Turning into Trump there a little bit. Well, Nancy and I love Armenian genocide yeah. and um, drugs, right? <laughs> You're going like this. Yeah. Uh, what did, what anyway. did his son say? He's like he and Nancy would walk around naked, just with a bong around the house. <laughs> oh my god! He was joking. He's, he's on Conan, yes. he's on Conan's show, but he was like, "Yeah, big big druggies." My parents walking around naked, passing a blunt. We're like, <laughs> like rubbing the Bible against their bodies. Anyway. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi, uh, House Speaker, uh, said the truth of these heinous, heinous crimes has too often been denied its monstrosity minimized. Of course, she's also a massive supporter of Israel. Um, Re- Representative Adam Schiff, another Californian Democrat, said for Armenian Americans and everyone who believes in human rights and the truth, today marks an historic milestone. Again, no mention of Israel or Palestine. Big supporter of Israel or Palestine. Right. Um, so, look, it's just the the hypocrisy here. Uh, I, I find astounding, astonishing, yeah. and the fact that the the uh, you're not seeing the leftists. Everyone's praising Biden for this, but no one is pointing out the the hypocrisy here. Yeah. Yeah. As as our official American representative, representative of the American government, right? Uh, how do you justify this? Oh, by the way, I see your bird box is back in the background there. What uh, happened? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I guess a bird moved it. I honestly don't know. Um, your glory hole. Co- yeah. <laughs> and you see how wide it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's... You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. So 
COVID, any day now, civil war, uh, the thing, Armenian thing happened somewhere else a long time ago and you want the American people to give a fuck, it's beyond our capability. Sorry, with all due respect to all the other Americans, I mean, yeah, call it, I mean, give it the name genocide, absolutely, but do you really expect us to be impressed or whatever? It's just not who we are. It's not on TikTok, so it's not on who we are, but we just don't care. I'm we just don't care. Yeah. Well, speaking of Sorry. Israel, yeah, more rockets being uh, fired uh, over the uh, Gaza Strip barricade. I was going to say border, but it's not really a border. Um, Palestinians uh, allegedly shooting uh, rockets into Israel, Israel firing back into Palestine. The mm-hmm. thing that this is this is not unusual, obviously. Um, but the thing that I wanted to point out when you read the media coverage with these stories, this is from uh, Associated Press, April fifth, April twenty fifth, sorry, twenty twenty one. By the way, we're right. recording this April twenty seventh, so this was only a couple of days ago. Headline: Jerusalem tension triggers Gaza Israel fire exchange. Rocket fire from the Gaza Strip toward Israel resumed Saturday evening after a day-long pause despite calls for calm from the United Nations and threats by Israeli leaders to retaliate fiercely. Tensions in Jerusalem as Palestinians clashed with Israeli police and far-right Jewish groups prompted the heaviest cross-border violence in months between Israel and Gaza. Militants fired a rocket towards Storot town in southern Israel and it was intercepted by air defences, the military said. Early Saturday, militants in the Gaza Strip fired some three dozen rockets into Israel while the Israeli military struck back at targets operated by the ruling Hamas group. Mm. So the, the way this story is crafted, um, yes. it's, it's very definitely, and this is the true with all of these stories, it's 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 painting it out as uh, uh, Palestinian militants responsible yeah, for this, thugs. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, despite fault. calls for calm from the United Nations, what about despite calls from the United Nations since 1967 for Israel to return back to the green line? Uh, no mention of that. No. Despite no. hundreds of resolutions passed in the General Assembly calling for Israel to remove its citizens and its military from the occupied territories, uh, get back behind the green line, um, Israel right. said, fuck you, and stayed where it was. Um, therefore, and, and after decades, you know, 50-whatever years of complete inaction by the international community, uh, the Rebel Alliance in Palestine decided to take matters into their own hands on Saturday, right? Uh, yeah. And try and fight for their freedom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they are being occupied. I'm being so. facetious slightly, but it's it's the way these stories are framed by the media. And right. this is AP, and AP is supposedly one of the most balanced news sources uh, in the US. When you look at the uh, left, right bias charts in US media. AP is kind of in the middle, which right. is why it's the news source I tend to read when I'm looking for basic uh, US coverage. 
Uh, but even it is providing a very uh, pro-Israel, anti-Palestinian view of these sorts of stories. There's no, there's no historical perspective here. There's no, uh, uh, there's no balance really. I mean, it it, yeah. it is really uh, well, they're militants. Yeah. That are firing rockets into Israel's done nothing. They're just sitting there, just sitting there, sitting yeah. there, having a cup of Head tea. Of the- exactly, exactly. Have done Would nothing. Like of All of a sudden, it- oh, fucking yeah. rockets Fuck are being it. shot in. Oh. You know? Yeah. If I could, real quick, <coughs> the Senate, because you, because you're right. I mean, the way this is presented to the reader, obviously, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. There's a victim and there's a bully. It's it's insane. The the sentence that got me was Israel and Hamas. Uh, an Islamic group sworn to Israel's destruction. They just put that in the sentence just to remind everybody who's the one who's obsessed with, you know, with destroying the other one. Our bitter enemies that have fought three wars and numerous skirmishes since Hamas seized control of Gaza in 2007. So again, it already makes it sound like the the people of Hamas are insane. They're extremists and they're dedicated. They're, they've dedicated their lives to destroying Israel. And they're the ones who are causing trouble by seizing control of Gaza. When you and I know, because we've done this on the Cold War, I believe, when the uh, the Jewish population just started coming in, taking over land, pushing these people out, refusing to hire them for any jobs so they couldn't sustain themselves. They had to get that out of there. That's been going on uh, ever since then. So, I mean, it's it's totally skewed in this direction. The Israelis who are the superpower, who have the nuclear weapons, who have the backing and the full faith of the United States, they are the almost helpless victims to these other deranged people. Um, and that's the way it just gets spun in the news all the time. If you're in the Western world, you're like, oh my God, well then just leave Israel alone. I mean, that's how it gets perceived in the West by the yeah. press. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is we're, we're kind of almost used to. I mean, we're used to this because this is the way it's been painted for decades. Um. um but uh, yeah. I mean, the, the bottom line, we 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 on our Cold War series, we did I don't know whatever it was, twenty episodes talking about the creation of Israel. Um, you know, we, we know the background. This isn't like centuries ago. This isn't like yeah. uh, the U.S. Um, destruction of the Native American population or the British coming here and destroying our uh, indigenous population. This is uh, more recent than the Armenian genocide. Yes. Which Joe Biden feels it's appropriate to uh, take a position on. This yeah. this goes back uh, to the well it, it, late '40s, I guess, uh, in, in a large scale. But obviously, goes back to the, the the early 20th century when the Jews, mostly from Russia, started uh, trickling into Palestine, as it was then. Right. Can I just real quick? Every time there's an attack like this, I'm assuming it benefits Netanyahu, I guess, who is a hard ass, who is um, – uh, I'm not sure what the appropriate phrase is. But he, he, he has no trouble mixing it up with the people who launch rockets and he tells his generals, be ready for anything. If you have to go over there and bust heads, you've got you know, you know got my blessing. Just go. So, I mean, at the very least, this is someone who, who benefits from these attacks and so why should he try to push – too hard for peace when it, you know if his people that he represents are afraid there's a good chance they're going to keep voting for him because he's the only one who can save them or protect them yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it probably plays uh, into the far right. Um, er- Ergun's um, plays to their favour, these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, what are the Palestinians supposed to do? This is, this is the question I always ask uh, people right. when I get into this conversation. So put yourself in the shoes of the Palestinians for a second. Um, for a second. Like th- their country was uh, overrun. They were controlled by the Ottomans, you know, for mm-hmm. centuries, Turks. Uh, then the, the, the British come in, combination right. of the, the French and the British come in, mostly the British, uh, in, uh, after World War I. And basically, you know, during this period, even before that, the the Jews start coming in, who mm-hmm. who uh, deliberately, according to the letters of the the earliest settlers and the strategists, right. came right. in with a deliberate plan to run the Palestinians out of their own country using force if necessary. That that's stated in the personal correspondence of these uh, Jewish settlers uh, in the early part of the 20th century, right through into the 40s and the 50s. Right. Um, and, the, and the international community does nothing about it, basically. Let's, let's the Jews right. just come in. Then wars break out when the Palestinians are trying to protect themselves, keep their country. Um, mm-hmm. They lose. You, uh, they lose time and time again when you know the wars break out because the Jews are better organized, better funded, have been planning for it a lot longer, and particularly after World War II, they have far more support from the international community for a variety of reasons. Partly guilt that uh, they didn't do enough to protect them and allowed the genocide to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. partly because they see it as their strategic interest, as we've covered in the Cold War show, to and, and, and this goes back even before World War II, actually, in, in terms of the British, uh, they saw it as strategically beneficial for them to have a, uh, a group of people in the Middle East that owed them a favour. Right, that they People could. Like us, you know, I can relate. Well, yes, you. but and, and also, I mean, there was this the whole Christian Zionist thing, which I still don't quite understand. Right. Um, but uh, it's a reality then and now. There is this Christian movement that believes Jesus isn't going to return until the Jews uh, control all of Israel. Um, mm-hmm. How they fucking juggle that in their heads, <laughs> I, I don't really know. But anyway, it's. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what part of the Bible is that? Anyway, yeah, go ahead. So. Yeah, um, and then, and, and, and but also mostly because they wanted to have somebody in control of that region. Particularly the British, they, it was close to the Suez Canal. They wanted to have somebody who was uh, uh, on their side that was likely to do their bidding. That's the thing right. that the West has always had, I guess, with Israel to a point. Is uh, it's like me giving Fox an iPad. You know, it's something I can take away. If he's being a little shit, I can go, you know, you better pull yourself into line or else no more Minecraft, right? Right. Um, It's the same with – this is the way that uh, the West has has conducted diplomacy. I think it's the way that every country conducts diplomacy. Powerful countries conduct diplomacy with lesser powerful countries is, look, we will give you support – 
money, air cover, uh, uh, weapons, uh, whatever it takes, uh, if while you continue to do our bidding, while you continue to support us. Exactly. Yeah, and if, if ever you don't, we can pull that like this. Now, Israel's right. done a pretty good job, uh, particularly in the United States in the last few decades of uh, building itself into sort of a martyr where it can't be criticised and the idea of the US, any politician uh, withdrawing support from Israel uh, is tantamount to, you know, political suicide in the US. It'll be challenged. Although yes. Obama, to give him credit, did take a little bit of a sterner line with Netanyahu, mm-hmm. not to the extent of really uh, pulling support in the Security Council or pulling funding, but right. more of a tut-tut and a finger-waving. Yeah, which is a big deal considering the presidents before him didn't even do that. So I'm sure he got credit for that from some people in this yeah. country. And I mean, I mean, there is a theory that Biden is going to use his uh, presidency to pull an LBJ and try and uh, do as many uh, genuinely good things as he can to paper over all of the horrible things that he's done in his right. political career up to this point. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of damage and, uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so, so, I mean, feasible that he might do something, but to this point he hasn't. Um, So, but get back. So you think about it from the perspective of the Palestinians. What are they going to do? They they get no international support, really. And they've been treated like uh, shit now for decades. They're... they have to take matters into their own hands. What, what what should they do is always my question. Should they just lay down and let the Israelis run over them? I mean, they've taken West Bank. They've taken Gaza. They're going to keep, if, if they're not, you know, if, if the Palestinians don't push back, in the absence of the international community pushing back, Israel will just keep expanding and keep expanding until they've taken over the whole land. So what are the Palestinians to do? That's my yeah. question. Yeah. They even what, recently what would, they've gone in. Sorry, they've gone to the International Criminal Court, the ICC. Israel. I read uh, a statement the other day by Israel's Attorney General or equivalent, saying well, the ICC has no standing in this matter. Um, you know, right. is, Israel's not a member of the ICC. The ICC has no. Uh, you can't take a position on this. Blah 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 blah. I mean, uh, 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 what what are the Palestinians to do? Is my question. Yeah. They've only got the one option of rockets and throwing stones and can't really blame them for it. Just and, just imagine for 30 seconds if you were in their shoes or if someone came into your house and said, I'm taking the living room, the kitchen, the better bathroom. And if you don't, if you, I might eventually take the rest of it. We'll see how it goes. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to get up and start fighting back. It's the same thing, just on a much larger scale and all the people that you love. So, and like you said, it's been going on for years. It's intolerable. And so they fight back. Decades, not years, yeah, decades, decades, generations. Decades, yeah. And the, the, the ironic thing is Americans love the underdog who fights back in mythology. You know, that's what brown underdogs. That's what. Sorry, you got um, to specify. Yeah, Brownish. That's what Star Darker. Wars was about. Uh, right. You know, that's the, the American Revolution. You, you, you jerk off to that on a regular basis. Uh, 
You know, you, you love the story of the little guy fighting the big guy, except right. when you're the big guy and you're supporting well, yeah. the other yeah. big guys that are being, you know, doing the oppressing. Right. That that clashes with the other American thing that we love, to, too, is we're always right. We, we're always doing the right thing. If we've chosen a side it's really after we've considered all the options we've I mean, and we just see ourselves as infallible, not unlike the Catholic church. Um, and so if you fight against us after we're trying to do the right thing, then you deserve to die. Uh, welcome to America 101. Yeah. Now, listen, uh, as yeah. I've said many times before, uh, I have plenty of sympathy and empathy for the Jews treated horribly through, throughout yes. all of history. Uh, um, leading all the way up to, you know, the the Holocaust. So I'm full of sympathy for the Jewish people and and do believe they needed and need to be uh, protected. They need to feel safe. The international community needs to make sure that they feel safe. But that doesn't justify the oppression of the Palestinians. So both things can be true. You can be sympathetic to the Jewish people and also equally sympathetic to the Palestinian people yeah. and uh, try and find, uh, you know, a common ground. Now, of course, then the question is always, well, what do you do? I mean, the Israelis are there. It's like, well, sympathetic to the indigenous Australians. What should happen? Should all the Europeans just get up and leave the country? Um, right. Possibly. Maybe that's a conversation that needs to be had. I would be supportive of that conversation. Or... You know, we find some sort of a solution that that uh, protects the indigenous population and allows the Europeans to stay here. But the, you right. know, these are conversations. Yes, they're tricky. Yes, they're difficult. But they need to be had, uh, and they're just not being had on a serious level. I mean, talks about you know two state solutions and an Israeli-Palestinian peace have been going on on the fringes, but it's really just political theatre, I think. Oh, no, look, we're, we're talking about it. We're doing something yeah. about it. You know, it's, you know, what else What what else can we do? Well, you could stop funding topics. Israel. That's what you could do. You, oh, could, you could stop giving them uh, blanket veto support in the Security Council. That's what you could do. Right. Uh, but anyway, but we're not. that's yeah. not going to happen. One last story, and I don't really uh, know how to talk about this because it's there's not a lot of information, but I'm going to cover it just because it's something that I want to keep my eye on. This is the uh, Pentagon uh, mystery story. Uh, again, this is in the AP just yesterday. The big Pentagon internet mystery now partially solved. Wow. A very strange thing happened on the internet the day President Joe Biden was sworn in. A shadowy company residing at a shared workspace above a Florida bank announced to the world's computer networks that it was now managing a colossal, previously idle chunk of the internet owned by the U.S. Department of Defense. That real estate has since more than quadrupled to 175 million addresses, about 125th the size of the current internet. Damn. It's massive. This is the biggest thing in the history of the internet, says Doug Midori, director of internet analysis at Kentic, a network operating company. It's also more than twice the size of the internet space actually used by the Pentagon. Oh, God. Now, okay. yeah. 
the Pentagon's apparently not uh, talking much about why they're doing it uh, and why they've given it to this company. Pentagon said they hope to they've done this they hope to assess, evaluate and prevent unauthorized use of DoD IP address space. Mm. Uh, and hopes to identify potential vulnerabilities as part of efforts to defend against cyber intrusions by global adversaries who are consistently infiltrating US networks, sometimes operating from unused internet address blocks. Um, so, look, I, I, I'm not sure how this works, but basically trying to piece it together, the Pentagon mm. was sitting on 175 million IP addresses that it wasn't using. Right. which is a large chunk of the internet. Uh, it's making those available, but how it's going to use that to assess, evaluate, and prevent unauthorized use of DOD IP address space, I really can't... That doesn't make any sense to me, how they're going to piece that together. Um, so this whole thing is very suspicious. Um, according to this AP article, some cybersecurity experts have speculated that the Pentagon may be using the newly advertised space to create honeypots, machines set up with vulnerabilities to draw in hackers. Right. Is that entrapment? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that plays with entrapment, but... All right. Um but that's so that's the first part of this uh issue is what the hell are they up to here? Right. Why were they sitting on all of these IP addresses in the first place? Like the world's been running out of IP addresses. That's why we had to come up with IP6. But uh, they're sitting on a huge chunk of them doing nothing with it. But uh, the company that has taken over management of these IP addresses apparently pretty much doesn't exist According to AP, the company did not return phone calls or emails from the Associated Press. It has no web presence, although it has the domain grscorp.com. Its name doesn't appear on the directory of its plantation Florida domicile, and a receptionist drew a blank when an AP reporter asked for a company representative at the office earlier this month. She found its name on a tenant list and suggested trying email. Records show the company has not obtained a business license in Plantation. Incorporated in Delaware, home of uh, Joe Biden's, uh, Joey's political power base. And registered by a Beverly Hills lawyer, Global Resource Systems LLC now manages more internet space than China Telecom, AT&T or Comcast. I'm sure it's all innocent and it's going to protect America, whatever it is. The only name associated with it on the Florida Business Registry coincides with that of a man listed as recently as 2018 in Nevada corporate records as a managing member of a cybersecurity internet surveillance equipment company called Packet Forensics. The Mm. company had nearly $40 in publicly disclosed federal contracts over the past decade with the FBI and the Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, among its customers. That man, Raymond Sorlino. Good name. It's also listed as a principal in a company called Tidewater Alaskan Associates, which is uh, based in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Yep. Uh, its address is a UPS store. 
The same address in corporate records as Packet Forensics. Solino did not return phone calls seeking comment, and a longtime colleague at Packet Forensics, Rodney Joff, Joffy, said he believed Solino was retired. Joffy, a cybersecurity luminary, declined further comment. Joffy is a chief technical officer at Newstar Inc., which provides internet intelligence and services for major industries, including telecommunications and defense. In 2011, Packet Forensics and Solino, its spokesman, were featured in a Wired story because the company was selling an appliance to government agencies and law enforcement that let them spy on people's web browsing using forged security certificates. That's not illegal, right? Mm. It the president it, does it. It called yeah, them ahead. lawful intercept equipment. Called it lawful intercept, so it must be. If they called it lawful. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Yeah. Case closed. Now, it gets further further here. Deepening the mystery is Global Resource Systems' name. It is identical to that of a firm that independent internet fraud researcher Ron Julie Met says was sending out spam email using the very same internet routing identifier. It shut down more than a decade ago. All that differs is the type of company. This one's a limited liability corporation. The other was a corporation. Both use the same street address and plantation a suburb of Fort Lauderdale. It's deeply suspicious, says Jules Met, who unsuccessfully sued the previous incarnation of Global Resource Systems in 2006 for unfair business practices. Jules Met considers such masquerading known as slipstreaming a ham-handed tactic in this situation. If they wanted to be more serious about hiding this, they could not. They could have not used Ray Solino in this suspicious name. So... Something really weird is going on here, Ray. So there's a company that kind of exists, kind of doesn't, kind of connected to someone who ran a scam years ago that now has a huge chunk, you know, relatively speaking, of the Pentagon's internet. Um, we don't know what they're going to do with it. Supposedly the, the Pentagon is going to let this company use it to trap hackers or whatever. None of this adds up none of this makes sense there's something something going on more obviously than what they're letting us know and you're right this is something that should be followed for a while i know that um one during the height of the the covid uh last year the trump administration gave 1.3 billion dollars to a company to to build syringes they're just about to start making syringes first they had to build the building this to me sounds like one of these things i wonder if the pentagon was ripped off and they just don't know it yet or they're finding out with everyone else or there truly is something more going on and they just did a really bad job of covering their tracks. Mm. Who, who in the hell knows? Who in the hell knows? Well, I am uh, creating a news alert for this yes. so I can uh, just keep track of what's going on. It's uh very strange, very strange story. But, you know, again, I don't know, man. We, we've done a lot of stuff on our CIA show about yeah. front could be anything. front organizations and co- you know cover companies yes. and uh, all this sort of stuff. Uh, dodgy, dodgy stuff goes <laughs> dodgy on. Dodgy is the correct word. Um, yeah. What they're using this for, who they're trying to trap, what they're trying to find out. Yeah. Who knows? So um, we'll keep an eye on that and report back if I learn anything more. Well, that's the bullshit filter for this week, boys and girls.
stay skeptical. But as I always say, base your skepticism on facts and logic. Remember, heuristics and epistemology are key to being a good skeptic, not just jumping on board every fucking conspiracy theory idea that you like. Uh, Sounds cool. Sounds cool. Be be smart about your skepticism. Don't be don't be a skeptical cunt. D B A S C. D back. Yeah. D back. Yeah. Just be good. Be good to each other. Be good to each other. Yeah. Like I'm good to you, Ray. All the time. <laughs> Cheryl, did you hear that, Cheryl? When I said I said all the time. <laughs> Is it still on? Oh shit. Bullshit. Bullshit. Bullshit.